Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, we have mounted our horses and we are riding. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. I hope you had a a wonderful time with your family. You got a chance to uh, get together and celebrate. Hopefully no one were wearing masks and isolating into other rooms. Do you you kind of remember this? This has just come to my... Do you remember when they wanted you to have Thanksgiving, maybe two years ago, in your garage? And they wanted plastic up and all this stuff. And you're supposed to wear masks and then burn the plastic when you were done. And I even I even remember when they were making us spray our groceries. You're supposed to put the groceries outside and then spray them. And and I hope I hope you had a Thanksgiving that didn't require that. And you got to enjoy time with friends and family and celebrate all goods blessings. Friends, this week we are talking to Christian Finnegan. I, I want you to know this name because this is a guy that's going places for sure. Assistant Professor of History and Politics. He's the Trout Whisperer. We're trying to get him more time out fishing here in Colorado, but he cares so much about his job. He won't stop grading his papers and investing in uh, time with his students, but uh, he's crushing it out there. Christian actually worked for Fred Thompson when he ran for president. We've talked about this before students. Uh, What was your role with Fred, and what was that experience like? Well, I was fortunate enough to serve as uh, Senator Fred Thompson's uh, on his presidential campaign in 2008 as his director of ballot access and delegate selection. Basically, well, hold on. Were you a ballot harvester? <laughs> I was just trying to get to a place where we could harvest ballots. It was my job to get uh, to get Senator Thompson's name on the ballot in every in every state um, and coordinate with our legal and political teams. Um, and then. The idea was, had we made it that far, um, I was to manage our delegates um, going into the convention. Hmm. Um, However, that stage never quite materialized. Um, But yeah, no, it was a really great experience. I have have a background in politics. I grew up outside of D.C. and in in Northern Virginia. Uh, My father worked on the Hill. Uh, My family's been there um, pretty much forever. I uh, worked in politics all growing up um, and particularly was interested in that intersection of theology history and politics. Um, I worked, uh, I, I was interning on the uh, 2004 reelection campaign of George W. Bush. Um, I served in the second term of, of his White House. Also, Jamie, as a White House intern, so glad to be in oh, the yeah. club with you. Good colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but all, and it was bouncing back and forth, um, trying to discern my calling between politics and seminary. Um, once again, trying to figure out where that intersection uh, hit for me, um, and I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity with uh, Senator Thompson, and that was a that was a fantastic opportunity. Um, so much good there, and, <laughs> and and so much you wish you could do over again. I like to tell people that we were the the favorite in 2008. Um, most everyone was picking us to win the Republican nomination. Um, right, because you, you kind of have a Ronald Reagan essence there, right? An actor, movie star. Everyone's seen him on TV. And, hey, we learned in 2016 that being on TV kind of helps. You know? <laughs> so you, I can understand why people think that that would be a, an easy pathway for him. Yeah, and he was also kind of the, uh, the conservative uh, flag waver uh, and standard bearer, but also was seen as a guy who could work with moderates. Um, there was a there was a lot to like about Fred. Um, 
seemingly up until the the moment we announced. Um, we decided to announce on Jay Leno um, while everyone else was at the New Hampshire debate. Mm. New Hampshire never forgave us, and um, yeah, it was kind of downhill from there. That being said, it was a great opportunity and um, really helped me kind of understand, as you're saying, kind of this need for Christian involvement in, in the political realm. Um, I think so much well-intentioned but misinformed uh, Christian approaches to politics these days so that, you know, mm. we need to get the church out of politics, mm. um, that there's no space for Christians in the political sphere. Or, as someone said, we have to, like, take off our, our Christian hat when mm -hmm. we enter this kind of neutral public sphere. And I, ju I just think that is so mistaken. Um, well, here, here's a... A comment that I often receive on social media, mm -hmm. which means it's a brilliant comment. Okay, <laughs> well thought through. And respond to this, if you don't mind. Um, it is fine for you to have your religious values. Please keep them out of the public square and absolutely don't allow them to influence the law that's going to affect them. Right, right. Um, I think there, there, there are many um, ill-conceived um, notions there. One is this idea of a neutral public square. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, there's nothing neutral. Um, Abraham Kuyper, the former prime minister of the Netherlands, uh, famously said, there's not one square inch which Christ does not point to and say mine. Mm -hmm. um, as Christians, we acknowledge that everything comes under the lordship of Christ. Um, but it's not just us. Um, even, even the most radical secularist doesn't actually really believe that. Um, we were talking before we went on air here about, um, you know, the Denver Post um, and their attack on these kind of religious institutions um, who uh, won't kind of kowtow um, to the, the, the kind of new doctrine of LBGTQ or, or trans ideology. Um, this idea where we kind of all leave our ideologies at home and then we come and play together in the sandbox of safety and tranquility and perfect peace just doesn't exist. Right, and we see in, in a vacuum, something is gonna step up to try to take that space. Um, and as Christians, we believe, well, that space belongs to the Lord. Um, and I, I don't necessarily apologize for that. I don't mean it, I know that sounds scary to people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean it to be. Um, I just mean to acknowledge that all things belong to the Lord, that he's the one that creates all things and all things ultimately find their meaning and purpose um, as they as they submit to him. That's what Augustine famously says. You know, our hearts um, are restless until they find rest in thee, O Lord. And so unless we understand the the telos of something, um, the telos of our society, the telos of our lives, um, we're going to be restless um, and we're going to seek to fill those things with other things. I think there is a critique, though, and this comes from someone that I debated, uh, Scott Wasserman at the Bell Policy Center on this. He goes, look, Let's get back to classical liberalism. We had that with the Berkeley free speech, secular. We can all kind of pour in to the, the same place and at least advocate for our values, but it should be a neutral place. What about the coexist bumper sticker? Can't we... <laughs> Can't, didn't we have that for a while? Can't we get back to it? Why can't we all just get along? Um, no, I don't think we ever had it. Um, you know, kind of the champion of, of liberal ideology, the kind of the godfathers were, is, was John Locke. And even John Locke recognizes that, you know, tolerance can only go so far. You need a system and a, a political entity that has certain shared values in order to tolerate your differences. When you disagree on, on things of ultimate concern, and when you disagree on things of first principles, 
it's hard to tolerate that. And I think that's exactly what we're experiencing experiencing in our society today, um, where people with completely polar opposite first principles um, are vying for power in that sphere. Um, and so you need to have a certain level of agreement um, before you can agree to tolerate some of your your differences. And, and so we can't, I'm not sure we ever had that fully in the States. Um, if we did, it was based on this idea of, of, of a basically Christian understanding of, of, of society and, and its role. Um, this idea of, of just kind of everyone just leaves their personal baggage um, and comes in as, as kind of blank states into the, into the neutral public sphere just doesn't really bear out historically. So then the response is, well, are you then advocating for a theocracy? Is that what's <laughs> going to happen in America? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow from, um, Yoram Hazoni who came and visited us, uh, as you well know, just a couple weeks ago. And Hazoni says, you know, where do we get this idea? Where do we get this idea? Most of the history of Western civilization is one where Christians have been in the dominant role politically. Um, and it's in Western civilization we see the most tolerant, most liberal societies. Um, where is this idea of this kind of caliphate of Christendom um, going to impose religious doctrine on people? Actually, it's the Christian influence in the world that has given us the priorities that we hold as as kind of larger liberal humans, this idea that we're going to just go around indoctrinating everybody with our theocracy and beating people across the brow with our Bibles, um, just does not seem to bear out historically. But but it, it, there was a time when church wars and control of government, mm-hmm. particularly you know Middle Ages time mm-hmm. period, and it was very repressive, right? So it, 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 isn't there a concern there that um, we could go back to that? It, 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 it is and it isn't, um, right? People like to point to the the Crusades, for example. You say the Middle Ages, but I mean the the Middle Ages, the Crusades are are, are fascinating because they're they're weird. You have things like the Children's Crusade. Oy. Um, you have at one point in the Crusades, the Fourth Crusades, um, Western Christians go out to you know defend the Holy Land, but they end up in in Constantinople and they sack the Eastern Christians. Um, it's not this necessarily just great holy war. It's a political war that's that has lots of of dynamics going on. We don't see, even in the West, even the First Crusade, um, when Pope Urban II calls for the Crusades of the Council of Claremont, he doesn't call for an, uh, making uh, the, the Eastern empires Christian. He's trying to rescue the Holy Land because the, the new Islamic regime there has been harassing pilgrims. Um, so once again, it's this idea of, of trying to make Christians. That's, it's never been something really Christianity's done. Yes, we have examples of, of the Inquisitions and these things, but they're really, there's a lot of political baggage in there. There's a lot of, in there are historical blips. There's not, we don't see, we don't see jihads from, from Christianity. It's just not part of our record. We're talking with Christian Finnegan. He is the faculty member of the year as voted by students at Colorado Christian University, assistant professor of history and politics in the College of Undergraduate Studies. When we come back, I want to ask him a little bit about Western civilization. We have not announced the theme publicly of the Western Conservative Summit, but I will tell you what it is now. It's Western Strong. We're going to be talking about not only Western regional issues, 
here in the United States, but the role and the importance of Western civilization, because it is a strategic priority at CCU to impact our culture and support of Western civilization. We'll be right back after these messages.